Today on Hardwired. As the tribulation progresses, John reveals three sets of judgments are gonna fall upon the Christ-rejecting world. We know what they are. They are the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. God seems to like seven. I mean, you can go through so many sevens in the Bible, but he's gonna pour out judgments in increments of seven. As I read the Revelation, it seems to me they get worse with every set of seven. You're listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're coming towards the close of the incredible book of Revelation. And this time, we're going to be looking at the new heaven and the new earth. You know, it's so good to know, according to God's word, as we see our own world just getting so dark, so difficult, so much pain and suffering and heartache and all the things that sin has brought upon the human race. Well, that's all going to come to a close. And there is going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the message. Grab your Bible and something to write with. This is really going to bless you. Let's go. We're looking at the new heaven and the new earth tonight. Now, just a little recap. I'm going to do a pretty lengthy recap because we've been through so much information. Can I have an amen? Amen. A lot of information. So I'm going to recap a little bit. The last time we closed with the visible return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And what does he come back to do? He comes back to stop the great war of Armageddon and usher in his millennial kingdom. Now the Lord Jesus is going to rule the world out of Jerusalem. And the saints of God, and that is us, the church will rule with him. Now you may not know that, or understand that, but I'm going to show you tonight. Jesus said it. I'm going to read it to you now. Matthew 25, 23. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you want to hear that? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. Now look what he says next. I will put you in charge of many things. Another version says, make you ruler over much. And then share in the joy of your master. Now, the context here is these people he's addressing or, you know, who he's talking about are those entering into eternity, entering into their reward. The race is over. So he's saying, well done. And notice when you step into eternity, then he says, I'm going to make you a ruler over much because you were faithful over a little. So it tells us faithfulness here brings great reward there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Say, what are we going to rule over? I don't know. 
but it's going to be neat. I know it's going to be good. But that's all he tells us. And yet, I know this, God is a God of blessing, and it will be a, an incredible thing to experience. Now, we've arrived at the end of John's revelation. And so before wrapping it up tonight and next week, I want to briefly do a quick sweep of what we have learned. All right? So let's just do a little catch up and bring all this together. The revelation is primarily concerned with the final seven years of history as we have known history. And it's called the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation, the trigger for it, will be Israel cutting a peace treaty with Antichrist, who they believe to be an incredibly gifted man of peace. That's what they believe about him. He's a fake and a phony and a counterfeit. And he's going to come on the scene like he's Dudley Do-Right. And he's to, to bless everybody and to, to bring world peace and harmony and unity and all that good new age stuff. But he's really the devil in disguise. And he's the most demon-possessed man. I believe he's the only man in all of history that the devil will fully, consummately possess. Take the Gadarene demoniac, out of whom came legions of demons, Mary Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons. This guy will be Satan incarnate. Now, he doesn't come from a virgin birth or anything like that, but he's satanic head to toe, inside out, every atom of his being. He'll be controlled and animated by Satan. So, but he's going to come on the scene. Let me broker a peace deal between Israel and the Arabs, and he will succeed. And everybody will hosanna him. And in this guy, incredible. Wow, what a savior, what a guy, what a man of peace, what a blessing he is. And oh, they just don't know. Now, once he does that, the seven years, I believe, begin. As the tribulation progresses, John reveals three sets of judgments are going to fall upon the Christ-rejecting world. We know what they are. They are the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. God seems to like seven, right? Seven days of creation. I mean, you can go through so many sevens in the Bible, but he's going to pour out judgments in increments of seven. As I read the Revelation, it seems to me they get worse with every set of seven. The seal judgment's terrible, but not quite as bad as the trumpet judgments. They're terrible, but they can't hold a candle to the seven bowls. It gets worse. So 21 in all, they are devastatingly impactful. They destroy Earth's ecology. They wipe out a third of mankind, a third of vegetation, and a third of marine life. As a great appreciator of God's creation, that hurts me to read it, but I know that it's got to be. In spite of all these judgments, man is going to remain completely and totally unrepentant. The more you read through the book of Revelation, the more you realize just how ripe that final generation is for judgment. Because with all this going on, they do not once look up and say, I repent, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have sinned against you and brought all this on our world. I, Forgive me. No, not once. Instead, they lift their fists to God and curse and blaspheme him, which to me is crazy, but that's what they do. Meanwhile, 
Antichrist has a little sidekick, his own little John the Baptist, if you will, in an evil sense, called the false prophet. Antichrist will be a political ruler, false prophet will be a religious ruler, a religious person. And he will help establish a worldwide rule. The Antichrist will use this false prophet, who I think could very possibly be something like a pope. I don't mean if anybody from a Catholic background, I really don't. But who has the ear of the world in a religious sense more than a pope? I mean, he speaks and it's almost like E.F. Hutton. Everybody listens except me, I don't listen. <laughs> but a lot of people do. The Antichrist is gonna use this false prophet and a harlot, apostate, new age, super church, the false prophet will lead to convince the world that he's indeed the answer to all their problems. This false prophet will point to Antichrist like John the Baptist pointed to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said. False prophet will say, behold the answer to your problems, the great fixer, the great end all in political rulers. And he will point to him and exalt him and promote him the false prophet will even perform miracles, all the while pointing to the Antichrist, much like John the Baptist pointing to Christ. He'll call fire down from heaven, the Bible says, in book of Revelation. He will literally do something to call fire out of heaven. So who's he acting like there? Who's he, who are people gonna think of when they see that? Elijah, the prophet of fire. He'll call fire out of heaven, and it will be, people will really see it. It will be a delusion. They'll see it. And then he'll say, I'm the real deal, I'm of God, now follow him. I believe this is the great delusion Paul talks about in Thessalonians, when it says, because they didn't receive the love of the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they would believe the lie, not just any lie, but that little the in front, the definite article, that means the Holy Ghost is setting aside this delusion to be totally unique, all of its own, and beyond other delusions and other lies. The lie, not a lie, but the ultimate lie. And I think that ultimate lie is Antichrist. He'll point to him. It's not here, but we read where the whole world will worship him. They'll bow down to him, they'll pursue him, and they'll sign up for his beast system. The false prophet will, at the behest of Antichrist, install a one-world currency and an economic system that requires receiving a mark on your forehead or on the back of your hand, or you can't buy or sell or function in society. You won't be able to buy a tank of gas at the 7-Eleven without having the mark of that beast. So we can see that Revelations tells us the world is racing toward worldwide socialism. I'm not saying you should just lay down and let it happen. But when you got one person or a duo, Antichrist false prophet and their government requiring that everybody get a certain mark on the whole earth, that's socialism. We can also assume it'll be a cashless society. You won't use money anymore. You'll use that mark. You'll go through the store. You'll go through the ticket counter to get into a game. You'll go into the clothing store and you'll wipe your hand across 
or underneath a scanner and it will read it and immediately withdraw the money from your account that you've never seen because you don't need it because you've got the mark. So it'll be global socialism and a cashless society. I ask you, do you see it now beginning to take shape? How often do you use money? How often do you use money? The other day I went through Chick-fil-A and without even thinking, I whipped out a card for a Chick-fil-A. So I got me a chicken sandwich, a milkshake. <laughs> they have the best milkshakes in the whole city. I'm just letting you know, all right? And, and I gave them a card because I said to myself, it's so much easier. I don't have to mess with the change. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. That's where the whole thing's gonna go. Marks have already been instituted, ships under the hand, various things that may or may not be what this will ultimately be. But I can tell you the Greek word, when it says mark, it's the the Greek word for tattoo. It's a tattoo like something on your hand or your forehead. Could it be a chip underneath? I don't know. But it will be, to me, when I read it, just straight Greek, when I read it, and I see the Greek word, it's clearly visible mark like unto a tattoo. Maybe it's invisible unless it comes under a scanner. Don't know, but I do know it's coming. Whoever receives this mark of the beast will be damned. Whoever refuses the mark is gonna be persecuted and many will be martyred. There'll be many people saved during the tribulation period. We talked about that. Uh, There's going to be 144,000 Jewish men who are going to be commissioned by God to preach the gospel throughout the world, resulting in a huge tribulation harvest. For the first three and a half years, there'll be peace with the Jews and the Arabs. Everybody will be kumbaya, isn't everything great? Per the Antichrist peace treaty, the world will believe they have achieved peace at last. You know the verse, when they say peace, peace. Then comes sudden destruction as unto a woman in travail who's about to give birth to a child. Not a thing she can do about that travail. All she can do is give birth. But at the halfway point, Antichrist, three and a half years in, will show his true colors. He'll walk into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. It will be rebuilt. He'll go into the Holy of Holies, the holy place where the Shekinah glory used to dwell and declare himself to be God. He will literally say, I am God. The Bible calls this the abomination of desolation. He will desecrate the holy of holies that is the holy of holies because of God's Shekinah glory that manifests within it. Paul writes, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. He's talking about Antichrist, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy every god there is. He'll tear down every object of adoration and worship. This is three and a half years in. He will say, 
nothing else is going to be worshiped but me. He will position himself in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 to 4. So there you go. The Jews will be shocked. And this will serve as the trigger to the second half of the Great Tribulation, which is really bad. Persecution will be immediately unleashed on the Jewish people and on all Christians. Jeremiah calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. It's sometime during the second half of the tribulation, a people that John calls the kings of the east will rebel against the Antichrist and unleash a 200 million man army to the Valley of Megiddo for the great war of Armageddon. Now, to me, the kings of the east has to be primarily China because only China could come up with that size of an army. Now, he says in the verse I'm about to read, all the kings of the earth. So there'll be various reasons for all the kings of the earth that'll be included in this battle. The true reason is God brings them there. Verse 14, chapter 16, for they are the spirits of the demons sent by God. Now this is Revelation, we're going back a couple of chapters, but remember we studied this. They are the spirits of the demons sent by God. Sent by who? God, performing signs who go out to the kings of the earth to bring them together for the battle that'll take place on the great day of God, the all-powerful. So demon spirits are literally unleashed by God to bring this about. And some of you might be thinking, why in the world would God do that? Or how could God do that? Or Because this is judgment. You know what this shows us? You know what book of Revelation shows us, among other things? That our God is a sovereign God. And when I say sovereign, I mean, he is in charge of the whole earth, the whole universe. And even though it looks at times like he's not in charge of anything, he's actually in charge of everything. Okay? So men, you know, they fight, Satan attacks, there's evil, there's murder, there's bloodshed, rape, pillage, all these things. And yet, put it this way, if you were getting on a cruise ship tonight and you're a believer, you love Jesus and you're, you're in this cruise ship and you got your little room and you can't wait to enjoy this marvel. Let's say it's an Alaskan cruise and you're out there in the ocean, you're been out there a day or two and all of the inhabitants of this cruise, all of the people on this cruise begin just to act like terrible sinners. They start getting drunk. They start carousing. They start yelling. There's some violence on the ship. All these things begin to go on. And you, here you are, you're a spirit-filled Christian watching this and you don't know what to do. And when you look at what's going on around you, everywhere you go, it's partying and drunkenness and drugs and you know immorality and all these things. And you begin to wonder what's gonna happen to us. But then you go up the stairs into the captain's loft. And there's the captain of the ship, and he is totally serene. He's totally calm. He's looking at instruments. And you say to him, Captain, they're going crazy on this ship. They're acting crazy. They're at, they are sinning terribly. The captain very serenely says, it's okay, because you see this? We've got a destination, and I'm going to get this ship to that destination. No matter what the passengers do, it's going to arrive on time where I promise, the way I promise. And when we arrive, I'll take care of the passengers. Jesus is in the captain's loft and his sovereignty is guiding the ship called this world. 
And you look at it and you go, it's crazy. It's gone insane. But the captain's fine. He's serene. He's at peace. He's not worried. He's looking at the instruments. You know what the instruments are? His prophecies. I've already laid out where we're going, when we're going, how we're going, where we're going to arrive at. And our destination is heaven. And he's going to get us there. Now, all the kings of the earth come together to Valley Megiddo. Let's go along quickly. God also literally dries up the Euphrates River. We showed you a picture of that river for this massive 200 million man army to cross on their way to the Valley of Megiddo, where the War of Armageddon will happen. I showed you where the Valley of Megiddo is. And look what happens, Revelation 16, 12. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So God will dry it up like he dried up the Jordan, like he dried up the Red Sea. Verse 14 also reveals this movement as part of a worldwide gathering of the kings of the earth and of the whole world in order they might participate in the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So at the end of the tribulation, everybody, in a nutshell, there's gonna be the mother of all wars, of all wars, nothing like it in the history of the world. Jesus said, if those days weren't shortened, not a human would live. No flesh would survive. But how does it stop? Jesus comes back. Listen to what it says. He's gonna to return to the earth with his, with his raptured church to set up the millennial kingdom. And in so doing, he'll destroy the Antichrist and his armies with the glory of his coming. Here's Zechariah 14, verse one. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. Now, remember when Jesus ascended back into heaven? Where was he? Mount of Olives. What did the angels say when they were watching him go up? He said, this same Jesus who you've seen go up is gonna come down the same way. And here's Zechariah, centuries before the angel told them that, saying when Messiah returns in his second advent, he's gonna land on the Mount of Olives and it's gonna split north to south and the judgment of the nations commences. What amazes me is that Antichrist and all the people that are there gathered for battle are gonna decide to go to war against Christ when he returns in the clouds. Now that's insane. I told you this last time. But this is what's going to happen. Here they are. They're battling in the Valley of Megiddo, this horrible war. And suddenly Christ appears in the clouds. Behold, every eye shall see him and those who pierced him. And what happens? They come together and they say, let's fight him. So they're psycho. If I'm seeing somebody in the clouds, I'm on my face. Lord Jesus, forgive me for every sin I ever committed. Not them. So the Lord returns. John reveals that at this time, the Antichrist and false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. Let's read about it. How many of you are looking forward to that? Here comes the final judgment of all things. Then the beast, Antichrist, was captured. With him, the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two, get this, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Antichrist and the false prophet are the first two human beings to ever enter the lake of fire. And then the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, which is Christ. All the birds of the air were filled with their flesh. Now immediately following, 
the greatest day, the devil is also cast into the abyss. Revelation 20, verse one, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old. Look all the ways that John describes him. Dragon, snake, devil, Satan. He wants to be sure we know who he's talking about. And he bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the, the nations no more. Now this marks the end of the tribulation and the beginning of Christ's eternal kingdom. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please, consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. Let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally, too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Wickwire, host of the Hardwired broadcast. And I'm so excited to tell you about this month's offer for you, our listeners. For a gift of $40 or more, we want to send you the beautiful new Bible put out by Tyndale, called Immerse, the Reading Bible. Our offer contains a beautiful, reads-like-butter New Testament featuring the New Living Translation. The Immerse Bible New Testament contains no chapters, no verses, just like the original manuscripts in which the Bible was written, so that it reads more like a story. It also comes with an eight-week reading plan, maps, and a helpful summary of every New Testament book. So if you want to try a really unique approach to your daily Bible reading, just go to hardwire.org and click Donate Now to give your gift of $40 or more. We'll send you the Immerse Bible immediately. And thanks once again for your support of Hardwired. Every dollar we receive will go toward reaching the world with God's Word.